0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the IDS Women's Basketball Podcast. I'm Dylan Wallace, here with Murphy Wheeler, and we have two guests with us today. They've been on the show before, the Hoosier.com, Taylor Lehman, and Bloomington Herald's Time reporter, John Blau. Guys, thank you for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me on, Dylan and Murphy. I appreciate it. You guys were just on my podcast, so I feel that I need to pay it forward and also be on your podcast as well.
2: I feel like you guys owe me a couple things after this. Really?
1: Really? Well, the season's almost over, so...
3: We don't have to deal with you anymore after this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I appreciate that. That's the nicest thing anybody's ever said to me on a podcast. All right, well, I mean, as you guys heard me just say, the season ends tomorrow, and IU will play in the WNIT Championship against Virginia Tech. But before we get into that game, let's just talk about just a turnaround this season has had. They started out 8-12. and They're now 22-14. 14 of their last 16 games they've won. I mean... From watching them at the beginning of the year, seeing their struggles, is this anything that you guys are surprised by, or did you see it coming? John, we'll start with you.
2: I get the tough questions to start. Huh? Um, <laughs> I think obviously sports, anything happens. That's why we cover it. It's interesting. So you know, things always happen that you don't really believe are going to happen. Maybe um, so you try to keep an open mind, but no, honestly. <laughs> uh, I mean, if you watch North Texas oh Uh, that was a difficult one the way they turned the ball over and this was against a a mid-major team that you did not think was going to make a postseason tournament of any kind and we talked with terry morin during the last press conference about getting auburned i mean auburn is an athletic sec team you can kind of excuse it but after north texas i i was i was wondering you know where this was really going um But then, yeah, I mean, there was obviously the very encouraging Big Ten games they had where it was really close against Maryland and Michigan, and you started to see maybe, as long as it doesn't beat this team down, maybe something can happen. But, yeah, if you're asking me back in December, probably no.
0: Yeah, Murphy, that North Texas game we watched in your room, and we were just like, what in the world? Was that that the North Texas game? That was. Remember what those, like, Random announcer guys. That was Northern Kentucky. Yeah, 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 yeah. Was, North North no, was, it was it Mexico? Murphy? Is either Murphy or both of you guys were next to me for North Texas? Oh, so I remember, home game. I remember
3: looking at you guys, yeah. or at least one of you, and saying, "Oh man." Yeah, it was Northern Kentucky. Oh, that that we, was. But that yeah. one wasn't a good game either. And you know, like he said, you know, the way they've come along this season really is just about, you know, obviously Tyra Bus is this team's, you know, number one ball handler, but secondary ball handling. Has, become such a, has come along such a long way since the beginning of the season. Bendu Yaney, Jalen Penn, as freshmen early in the season, it looked like they really struggled to maybe come along and get used to the college game a little bit. Um, but now they, they're pretty comfortable with the ball in their hands. And I think just the the gradual progression of this freshman class is really what's taking this team to the next level. And, I, you know, like you said, uh, you know, at, in, in, at the end of this season, those two players in particular, Penn and Yaney, they have started to look like almost like veterans at this point, and it's just come such a long way since that beginning.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you talk about the the secondary ball handling, it, I think Jalen Penn came along sooner than Bendu Yaney did, yeah. um, and, and that that just seems so natural. But then here recently, like once Bendu started finding her stroke um, uh, from the field, I think she gained a little bit of confidence to the point where she was bringing the ball across midcourt and i believe there was one time I, I i think it was against TCU where she waved off Tyra in the backcourt brought it up and then and then uh, began the play and then handed it off to Tyra eventually but yeah she's very comfortable and i, I think Bendu Ben i'm trying to get to Bendu is the 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 most recent improved ball handler of those two guards and once she was able to handle the ball with confidence I think this offense found uh, a, a point where it could pretty much you know dribble against against any team I think it was really important against TCU's press too because when when, when you have three guards that are comfortable handing the ball um, then th- that's just so many more options there available
0: yeah and that press was something they sh- they struggled with like oh, bad yeah. at the earlier this at the beginning of the season and and Bendu was and like you said I mean Bendu's the one back there with Tyra handling the press with her. so it's been working out really well.
3: Yeah, I think those two, just as athletic as those two players are, I think they've realized now that instead of, you know, maybe slowing down the offense a little bit and trying to, you know, handle the ball from the top of the key or, you know, in the corners up there, they've kind of realized, hey, I could take this ball right to the rim. I can attack the rim a little bit more. And you're seeing them be more aggressive offensively, especially Jalen, who has shown when she gets hot, I mean, she's hard to stop. And then Bendu, even whenever – Games get kind of physical in the fourth quarter. We saw that against UC Davis, I think it was, here in the NIT. She really came alive late in the game whenever the game got physical because she's just so athletic. She can really thrive in situations like that.
0: So are we attributing this turnaround to a lot of the growth and improvement of Bendu and Jalen?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think you have to combine the two things. I think it's that Amanda and Tyra had some amazing games down the stretch, and showed truly how great they are, but you need a supporting cast. No, no matter how good you are as a duo or as seniors, you need a supporting cast to take some pressure off of you, and that does not happen if the two freshmen, Ben Yaney and, and Jalen Penn, don't improve the way they have, I would think.
3: It, it's kind of funny you look back at this season, and really where this season turned around for them was when they beat Michigan State at Michigan State. It, it, it's kind of funny to think, would this all have happened if maybe at the end of that game that they started off fell. really hot and then Michigan State came, you know, came back and they had a shot to win at the end? Brandy Agee, I think, was the one that missed the three at the end, rolled all out, all over the rim and rolled out. You think at any point, maybe if that shot goes in, is this season maybe a little bit different? Is that because they don't get that win, they don't get that momentum building win. And Morin talked
0: about like that was the break we needed. So, what if that was. break wasn't, what if that break didn't happen? Well, it's another punch in the gut. I mean, it would have been right. You're then, a fighter yeah. in the 12th round.
2: You've been hit a hundred times, and you get hit on a hundred and first, and is that it? But uh, we talked with them about that today, though. I mean, uh, Coach Moore was saying they're all competitors. They didn't want to, you know, waste the effort they had already put in. You had Tyre and Amanda. You had Amanda Cahill and Tyre Boss, two seniors, weren't going to let this thing go in a bad direction. and maybe they just would have ended 16-15 instead. Yeah,
0: because after knows? that game, it was they went on that homestand against some of the lower teams in the Big Ten. So, I mean, they still could have turned it around there. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, the, the, the teams that Dylan's mentioning are Wisconsin, Rutgers, Northwestern, and Illinois, and they won all four of those games. And then, they, I mean, that was the longest win streak of the game <laughs> there towards the end of the season. They went on the road then to beat Purdue. They really built built up some momentum. But I do think that the Michigan State game was important um, because maybe they, maybe if they do take like like you said, John, maybe if they do take that hundred and first punch, then maybe they lose one of those games in the homestand, and then maybe that's just enough to trip them up and they can't get the groove going that they've had going in the last sixteen games. Um, I yeah, I I definitely agree. I think the Michigan State game was for sure the turning point. The AG missed three was was right. huge too,
2: right. And you saw it building again, like the Michigan game, the Maryland game. They were so, so close at, at so many different points uh, during their, the early part of that Big Ten season. You saw the improvement happening then, just weren't able to break through. And then once they broke through, they just landslide.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and people are like talking about... How they've been doing so well in the WNIT, but like this is something that started that Michigan State game. Like it's not like it's all of a sudden you're in the tournament and now. Look at how good this team's playing. Like we've seen it, they've been playing like that the whole end of the season. Now in the IT, they've been beating every team by double digits, and the most recently, most recent one of that was against TCU. They beat them by 13, and it was the closest of all four games or all five games they played so far. I mean TCU was pretty physical, and it was kind of slow at the beginning. But, you know, just what, what was the, the biggest takeaway from that game other than, you know, just, like, their momentum?
1: My biggest takeaway was how they defended Jordan Moore on the inside, um, Jordan Moore being 6'3", and just she had just scored 26 points against South Dakota. She only averaged 13, uh, 13 points a game, but you could tell that she was definitely a scoring threat on the inside if she could get it going. And the 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 defensive post presence for IU isn't really, I, I guess I wouldn't say it's towards the top of the conference, and especially not nationally, um, with with Kim Royster and Lindsay Marchese. and um, I I think Amanda Cahill is probably the best post defender that they have, um, but but Amanda Cahill is not as tall as as Jordan Moore was, so just them creating enough disruption to the point where she couldn't make simple shots from point-blank range and and she i mean she ended up scoring six points and she only had six rebounds and that she's essentially a non-factor on the on the stat sheet um but that that's what stuck out to me the most is just how how they were able to especially coming off of the game against uc davis and and having birch there and and the post too and how they stopped her and pushed her away from the basket and just how they've been able to stop different kinds of fives Um, throughout this tournament.
2: Yeah, I I think, like you said at the end there, just the different types of teams they've played to show that they can play a long, athletic team like that from the Big 12 Conference, and they can beat them soundly. I mean, we had seen, obviously, in the WNIT, Milwaukee, UC Davis, UT Martin. I mean, you you at that point, and still even with Purdue, you had beaten them so handily the first two times. You doubt, well, okay, is this just who they're matching up with, or is this really a team that can – adapt to normal to, to many different styles of basketball. And th- it seems like they have been able to handle many different kinds of teams now leading into the Virginia Tech game, which I think is extremely encouraging.
3: Right. I think the TCU win, I think, is kind of what proved that. Because I think you could say, you know, UC Davis, UT Martin, these teams are, not you know, big-time powerhouses. And like you said, they've beaten Purdue twice already this year pretty handedly. So I think that TCU game was really kind of what proved that this team is for real at this point. Um, you know, and anytime anybody's asked me the last few days about what this team's been doing, right, it's, it's always about their defense. I mean, their defense has been unbelievable. Like you said about their post, you know, their post play defensively, we've been trying to, you know, maybe find mismatches that maybe aren't good for them. You know, we talked about it before the TCU game with Jordan Moore. Uh, we didn't know if Kim Royster and Lindsey Marchese could do it. They've been playing really well down low for them defensively. and Like you said, Amanda Cahill obviously plays a huge part in that as well. Actually, if we're going to be honest, Amanda Cahill is the anchor of this defense. I think she's played extremely well. I think she's led this defense. When I mean, we talk about defense turning into offense, she is kind of the focal point of that. She's always in the right positions, especially when she's playing you know help side defense she's always in the right position getting in passing lanes getting an arm in there whenever she can uh, and she's making things happen and then that's how they get runouts that's how they get transition points off of turnovers
0: yeah exactly and you know that's what Morin said you know she always wanted uh her when she came here she wanted to be known for defense want to be known for something she said she wants to be known for defense and lately that's been the case so far
1: I think that's something that's gone a little bit um understated and and Tyra Bus and Amanda Hill's um, I guess era here um it is just how they they obviously have their offensive roles like you know, Amanda Hill plays the you know the the high post position and and Tyra Bus handles the ball and she's everywhere around the around the half court but when it comes to defense and igniting transition plays, Amanda Cahill is always around the ball, always always down low, and then Tyra just takes off running. And eventually, somehow, she gets the ball, whether it's from an, an, an Amanda Cahill, I don't know, like football pass or something like that right. or, or something. Like, they have their roles on the defensive end too. And I, I just don't think that's really stated enough when it comes to the, the types of transition points that IU's been able to score while those two have been here.
2: Yeah, I mean, defense is the one thing that everybody always forgets about. Exactly. I, and that's exactly. what we always thats we always say, defense wins championships. We have to remind everybody that that's the case. But, yeah, I mean, Tyra Buss, I mean, when she's doing the flashy things she's doing on the offensive end, when she's crossing people over, step back three, uh, driving through the lane, even though she's too small, or whatever everybody says, Amanda Cahill, the types of finishes she has had over her career, and her three-point shooting, it's easy to forget you know the the great defensive players they are amanda cahill's in the top uh, what is it in blocks now someone should look this up i forget uh, i think yeah. she's like either like uh six or, or five yeah, i forget five or six, five yeah. or six at all time and in, in career blocks at iu tyra Bus is the all-time leader in steals at iu uh, if you think tyra Bus you you often think of stealing the inbounds pass and getting an easy lay-in. I mean, how many times has she done that? So many times. Um, so uh, they, they are two basketball players that have completely maximized their potential. And you have to give Terry and credit for that because, yeah, Kurt Miller recruited those two. They were brought in here. But they have maximized their potential. Uh under Terry Moore's leadership,
0: and she deserves credit for that. Yeah. John I think Amanda is number five in mm. blocks. She might be number really? four now. Cause I got this from your Twitter page.
2: Oh, yeah, you have to go check. I think, I think she well, didn't have it.
0: before the TCU game. Yeah, I right? don't think
2: she had any blocks. Did she have any blocks against TCU? I don't think I she don't did. Think so so I think still it's five. the same. She's, still, she's five. still five. She's a number four all-time scorer at IU now.
3: Yes. She did have one block against TCU. One block. So she's
2: tied for fourth. Tied for fourth. She can take over fourth all by herself, and then maybe, I don't know how far, third
3: is. We have to sure. go check that. I thought you were going to name who she would pass on that I'm list. not that good. I, okay, well, Murphy. I wondered. <laughs> 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 but, you know, going back to that point where kind of talk about more in system defensively, and she even said after the TCU game, a lot of things that went right for them don't show up on the stat sheet. I mean, and that's absolutely true, and that's going to be true for any successful team. Uh, you know, another another instance of Tyra – making big plays defensively that don't really get noticed as much as her taking kind of a charge every game it seems like right um and then Amanda is just so extremely smart uh, no matter what side of the court she's playing on so I I think yeah you have to give them a lot of credit but also give Terry Moore as much credit
0: exactly and one, before we get to Virginia Tech in that championship game, I just wanted to see your guys' opinion if they would have gotten into the NCAA tournament. I mean, do you, with the way they're playing right now, I mean, how, how do you see that? How would you see them faring? Obviously, it depends on the matchup and whatnot. But like, you think they could have gotten a game or two?
2: Yeah, I think it's certainly possible. I mean, the way they're playing, it's again, it's about playing your best basketball at the right time of the year. If you play a, you know, say they're an 11 seed or you match up against. Six. Six. Right, yes. I always, I can't do math. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, if, if they match up against a six that maybe was a two or a three earlier in the season, but kind of limped their way in, or if it was a 10 versus a seven that kind of limped their way in, you could definitely see them uh, beating a team. At the same time, I mean, you're in the WNIT and you're as far as they are in this tournament, you show that you should have been in the conversation for being yeah. on the bubble. So they are possibly if not the best team that's in this field so you would think they have a chance against a team in the NCAA tournament is a guaranteed no but I think it's definitely a possibility
3: I definitely think they could have stole one or two games for sure as a lower seed Um, it doesn't help that the Big Ten hasn't done very well in the NCAA tournament I think every team that was in it was out by the second round even Ohio State Um, but then you get into the question of what was the better situation for this team then? Would it have been better to make the NCAA tournament play one or two games or would it have been, you know, better to go to the NIT and make the kind of run that they're having now? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I kind of asked Tyra Tyra and Terry Warren today about, you know, kind of comparing the the two seasons between uh, a couple seasons ago when they made the NCAA tournament and lost in the second round and then uh, where they're at now and they're playing in the WNIT championship. And Tyra said, like, it's not really – necessarily comparable but they definitely like the position they're in as as i mean similarly to what they liked about being in the ncaa tournament i mean they're they're playing basketball right now and versus you know getting knocked out in the second round of the the ncaa tournament so she she pointed out that that's one positive you know one one positive about being in the wnit championship and on i mean today's march 30th they'll be playing tomorrow and and so I, I guess it, it it makes it makes sense why why she would why she would want to play more basketball, especially her being in her senior season. I'm sure that helps a lot. But uh, it would be really it it'd be really hard to compare, you know, whether yeah. this team whether it would be better for this team to be in the NI, WNIT or the uh, NCAA tournament. But yeah, she she uh, she said that she's happy to be playing basketball right now.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting question. What Murphy said, like. You know, because they've always been talking about like you know how cool would it be to win your last game that you play in your career for Tyron and Amanda and like if you're in the double A tournament like are you going to win your last game you ever play probably not but here in the NIT they have a chance to do so have a chance to hang a banner which is something they've always wanted to do but first they got to beat Virginia Tech and Virginia Tech I mean. They're 23-13 on the year. Confer- the conference was where they kind of struggled. They were 6-10, and 10, but non-conference, they're 17-3. and three. They've beaten some teams that have defeated IU. So, I mean, Murphy, I'll start with you because I know you just looked up a lot about them and wrote me a great preview. But right. just, like, what do you know about <laughs> Virginia Tech? What, what kind of problems are they going to pose for IU?
3: Well, we learned a lot today at media availability that we had just about three hours ago. Um, kind of the team that Virginia Tech is, and first of all, they're gonna they're gonna have a lot of matchup problems with IU. IU is going to have a lot of matchup problems against Virginia Tech just because Virginia Tech likes to spread out their offense. They like to have five players around the perimeter. They don't really have much of a post presence down low. Their their closest thing to a post presence, which would be uh, Reagan. McGarity Magar- is my guest,
2: but game. she's from Sweden, she's, so I don't know how you like pronounce it from Sweden. Wow, right there. That, that was, was impressive. I love the producers, so I'm a big fan. Have you ever seen the producers? No, I know what you're talking. But about. But there's a, you know, uh, Uma Thurman's character. It's a, it's a Broadway musical. Oh, okay. I really went off. I veered no, off. I want to keep But going. she, she talks a lot about being from Sweden, so okay, it's yeah. just, it's
1: in my head that way. We're not going into the plot of the producers. Do um, you really want to get there? We yes, can. We, <laughs> uh,
2: Max Bielostock um and and leo and Bloom and Bloom, I forget Bloom's first name, but uh so they uh how can I succinctly put this? They try to put on the worst musical of all time because their idea is that they'll get money to fund the production, but as if you put on a really bad show, it will go off the the and it'll be done, and you just get to keep all the money from all your investors and you go off to Rio. And that's their whole idea. And so they hire Uma Thurman as to be their secretary, um, because she's just a very good-looking woman from Sweden. And uh, eventually they get caught; things go bad. You should really just watch it yourself. That's <laughs> great.
3: <laughs> if you can, I've said this to John about other things before in the past. If you can fit that into your next story somehow, that movie, I'll give you five dollars. I, I mean, uh, Murphy
0: literally just compared Loyola's run in the NCAA tournament to the Blues Brothers. I did. I had in a, a column,
2: column coming
3: out <laughs> about that.
2: That's maybe a little too niche. Maybe uh, I don't know how many people are remembering. I mean, know, Dan Aykroyd and is that I Belushi? mean the
3: producers is a pretty yeah. pretty good stretch.
2: Yeah, it is. That's why I was wondering why you want me to get into it, but <laughs> that's fine.
0: I think we need to hear you say Sweden one more time.
2: I don't just do these things on command, Dylan. <laughs> yeah, we have <laughs> to why, talk. That's when I feel it. That's we really have jam- to, we talk make make to talk about the people from Sweden. Talk about the
3: player, right? Megan Ma- McGarity. McGarity. McGarity from um, where? Sweden. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, she is, she's their closest thing to a post president. She's six foot three. Uh, but she, Morin said today, she's pretty much a six foot three guard. Um, and I actually, I did a little bit of research on them earlier today. They had a point guard, Shanette Hicks, I think is how you say her name, Shanette. I'm not sure. Uh, but she's, she was their point guard at the beginning of the season. She left the team at about 20 games into the season for some personal reasons. So she's not playing for them anymore. They actually have a depth, pro- depth problem because of that. Um, but they even said McGarity could be their point guard at times. They kind of have a point guard by committee, and she's one of them. So they're going to really spread it out around the perimeter. And I think Amanda Cahill will do a great job on McGarity in that sense, and she can guard her from the outside. But their post play, I use post players, Kim Royster, Lindsey Marchese, they're going to be a little bit out of their element now.
2: Sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, Terry Morin talked about this during the availability yeah. that we were at, that they played that five out. That's somewhat similar to Villanova that they saw in the WNIT mm-hmm. last year. It was five out, a lot of motion, a lot of cuts. Um, it, it could be similar in that way. And especially McGarity. yeah, six-foot-three guard, essentially, is what Morin called her. She's not. A forward per se. So, yeah, you're going to see Kim Royster, Lindsey Marchese, Amanda Cahill is what who Morin said is going to get the nod initially to uh, guard up McGarity. But it, it will be interesting to see how you match up and when you put Lindsey Marchese in there or Kim Royster or how you play it, uh, considering that they're going to be so perimeter heavy in terms of how they play their offense.
1: Yeah, Terry also said that. Uh... That Ben Dujeani is going to be very important on the defensive side too when it comes to guarding the other guards. But I'm I, yeah. I'm guessing Taylor, that Emory Emory, Emory. Taylor right. Emery. Taylor was Emory. a
2: Junior College Player of the Year. Someone yeah, eighteen mo- points a game. Someone more said could be a pro player. She said this is yeah. a pro guard. So uh, I she said she had a great pull up. So I, I in my head I thought of Lindsay Pulliam from Northwestern because like she, her pull up game was amazing when they played IU. Mm-hmm. But no more rugged, more experienced. So basically a player that can get her points in whichever way
3: she wants you is what it maybe, sounds like. Kayla Charles? Maybe a, Kayla, is that what you're going to say? Kayla Charles. I was thinking maybe like a Tyler Scaife from Rutgers even. But a yeah. little bit maybe bigger, similar, right? Yeah, a little bit bigger. I don't yeah. think Scaife was that. Well, they're about the same, size. Yeah, about the same uh, size. I think
2: about the same size, but she's just really athletic. Right. And if you have that pull-up game, which is they said it's where they want Jalen Penn to get eventually, mm-hmm. if she's got that kind of pull-up game where the size, pull-up, drive, can score at different levels. That's just going to make it an extremely difficult assignment for Bendu Yaney. Yet again, we've like we talked about earlier, Bendu, Jalen have showed tremendous improvement. So you have to feel pretty good about someone like Bendu guarding her as long as she doesn't get blown by. Uh, she's obviously got the the length, the strength, and then also the jumping ability that we've seen to maybe um, get in her way be a little disruptive.
3: Yeah, and I think, you know, Bendu's going to have the starting – you know, job there, but it's going to be kind of by committee there because they're going to switch a lot. IU's going to switch a lot. They've been doing it the entire tournament. I think we're going to see more of it again. So I think Jalen's going to have to guard her for long stretches at times. Uh, Maybe even Tyra Buss is going to have to do it at times, even though she's probably uh, got a size differential there that's not helpful. But, uh, and heck, I mean, even Cahill could probably guard her at times. Cahill guarded, like, seemingly every TCU player on the floor, uh, last time. So I think we're going to see a lot of different matchups, but yeah, Bindu's probably the number one option.
0: And, you know, to kind of go out of the like a, like in-depth part of it, I mean, do, who do you think's going to take the game?
2: In-depth, are we just making a prediction here? Pred-
0: prediction. Just prediction. <laughs> prediction. <laughs> I said to get away from the in-depth kind of stuff. Oh, oh, there you go. Yeah, my prediction is pain. That's Clubber Lang. I know that one. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't, know that one. I don't make
2: game predictions. You guys do it. No, we need John to do it. <laughs> on the spot. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm you just don't gonna have
3: to give a score or anything.
2: I'll just take IU. Just so I don't get anybody yelling at me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm taking IU.
3: <laughs> okay. Fair enough.
0: Murphy, uh, Taylor.
1: I'll 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 also take IU. And I think it just because um, in, at, at points when I'm I'm thinking specifically of when they began the TCU game and, and it seemed like their backs were kind of against the wall and they were frustrated. Um, they kind of found a way to bounce back. And I, I think that it, it's been that way throughout this run that they've had, the winning 14 of the last 16. They've had several instances of that. um. I just I think that that run has just boosted IU to a level that that I don't I don't know if Virginia Tech can necessarily counter.
3: Yeah, I mean, I guess I'd have to take IU now. I don't want to be the one guy to take Virginia <laughs> Tech here, uh, but I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be physical. I think uh, both teams don't have a lot of depth. Like I said, they probably both will play about seven players at a time, uh, or you know, seven players throughout the game. Um, so I, I think IU can pull it out. I think. They have all the momentum in the world, but you know, then again, Virginia Tech. Uh, Morin said it today. Also, they didn't get here by playing bad, so I mean, they're playing just as good. So I think it's going to be really interesting. But I think IU could definitely pull this one out.
0: All right. And if anyone cares, what I think, probably, probably <laughs> IU. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now you, said, that, you just
2: caved to the pressure. That's what yeah, that was. Well, <laughs> here's the thing. Now, that now
0: was. if they lose, everyone's going to look at us for and say that we jinxed them.
2: Well, I say we put it on the crowd. And then the, the tiebreaker is it's at home, it's at IU, and That's we true. got it's on those people out there to sh- to show up. Yeah, I I actually think
0: the crowd be a and big be part. They,
2: they Virginia get
1: it Techs enough. played in front of an average of twenty three hundred fans a game, and there will maybe be close to ten thousand in Assembly Hall on Saturday.
2: That's another another interesting thing. What do we want to put an over under on the crowd? How yeah. much we're gonna get? Oh man, we dropped a mic. The I dropped the, the mic. <tenor>
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll hold it. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> oh, man, this is getting I think, awkward.
0: I think there'll be, uh, let's see. Okay, because you've got to f- factor in Easter. There yeah. Might, there might be some students or people around going somewhere or something. I don't I'm going to say, because they got, they got 7,815 last game, so I'm going to say they'll get 9,004.
2: How many people are in the towns of Mount Carmel and Clyde, Ohio? <laughs> if we get the entire towns of, of uh, Clyde, Ohio and Mount Carmel, which is what I'm uh, proposing, then we should be able to fill the place, right?
3: <laughs> Mount Carmel's Dylan's population doing... is 6,993.
2: All right, so we're halfway there. Uh, <laughs> Dylan
0: What's
1: Clyde is searching Ohio? Clyde, Ohio. There were more people at the last game than live in Mount Carmel. And
0: Clyde, Ohio is 6,221. We get there, you know, we're good. So um,
2: <laughs> the people that are uh, big bus fans of Mount Carmel, I encourage you all to come. And uh, Clyde, Ohio, you're welcome to join the Cahills uh, <laughs> if they've got their giant van bus. I don't know what they got.
1: So you really are putting it on the crowd now.
2: I'm putting it on those <laughs> two places in particular. Just Mount
3: Carmel and Clyde. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's all up to them. Uh, and if they show up, they show up. I think IU wins.
3: Clyde, Ohio is like the greatest name for a city I've ever heard. Like <laughs> that sounds like a like a Western uh, character, like a character from a Western. Clyde Cahill Ohio. from Clyde. No, Clyde, Ohio. That sounds yeah. like a person from a Western <laughs> movie. Clyde, Ohio. Clyde, cowboy. Ohio. That's an interesting name. He yeah. must know. You like, can
0: tell from his
2: accent. John well, don't they can. call you the Corn Cowboy? <laughs> they call me the Corn Cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> so he wouldn't know.
3: I guess he would. I now. would. Yeah. Murphy over or under. Uh over or under 10,000? Yeah. I'm going to say just under. I think we're going to have about 9,500 or so.
1: I say over. I'm just going to say over for just the for, uh yeah. yeah, just just to say that it'll, it'll be over. But I mean people were lining up in front of Assembly Hall yesterday 2 hours before tip. And I don't see why it would be any different this time around with just a few more people. So I'll just say over.
2: Yeah, it's a championship game. I mean, really, it should be over. You should be going up. But I, I guess you guys, yeah, you guys are going up, just not that much up. Yeah. I I wouldn't know about the whole Easter thing. I'm a Jew. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> That's a great <laughs> way to end it right there. Ah, <laughs> uh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> something offensive well, about it. Well no, I said. there's not. Just there's the not. truth.
2: I
3: don't You're I don't right. know about
2: how, how much you guys really come or don't come. I mean I don't this. think the students like <laughs>
3: we talk about that affecting the student attendance. It's not like the students are that big of a player in this. I don't think it's I think it's true. more of the it's all about the,
2: the community.
0: Area. Mount Carmel and Clyde. We're hoping they show up. I've Yep. You know, we put the call out. It's on you guys. Well one one last thing actually just This is the last game of the season's tomorrow, and as we've talked about this podcast, we've seen the great play of Tyra Buss, Mandy Cahill playing phenomenal, the improvement of the freshman guards, the bigs being able to impress. Just, who is your guys' season MVP?
1: Ooh.
2: Ooh.
0: Really put us on the spot there, Dylan.
2: John. Uh, Yeah, I didn't let them
0: know beforehand, so this is really off the top of their heads. Mm -hmm. John's been watching this team for
2: how many years now? This is my fourth year, so I have been the entire bus in Cahill
3: era. So th- you should be an expert on this.
2: That's the thing. I mean, that's really tough because, obviously, Tyra is the all-time leading scorer, the you know million other records. But Cahill, I mean, like Terry Moran has said, maybe the smartest player she's ever coached. So the things that she does are so hard to just quantify. Um, and then, like we've talked about, with the freshmen. I mean, if those freshmen don't play the way they do. So I— it's really kind of like a, a three or a four player. He's race. avoiding the question. I, I already have, knew. I have no doing. idea. I mean, <laughs> honestly, I lean, I lean towards Tyra. Okay. I I lean towards Tyra, but so that's that's really just a slight, slight, slight yeah. little nudge to the to the right. So we got one
0: vote for Tyra. One for Tyra. There
1: there were points where Tyra reached like, uh, some some like lower like lower points than she had in the season before um where she just didn't seem like the same Tyra and that's when Cahill really took over in those games right um even more so than than past seasons I felt um that's why that's why it's making it difficult for me to choose the MVP like between the two but I I'm with John like a slight lean to Tyra but yeah, Cahill had a great season though. So
2: yeah, I mean, if 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 the other two of you pick Tyra, then I'm going Cahill. I'm switching because okay. <laughs> oh, someone
1: I... has to say Cahill. Oh, I'll say Cahill. I
2: was okay. about to say Cahill too. Okay, good. We'll it's just say I, two and two because so I'm just leaning, split. just because I'm leaning. All right. Just the wind is I, taking just, me that way. Just <laughs> but, the way. But, me, I mean,
0: yeah. watching Amanda Cahill play this year, it's been impressed me like game after game after game. Like she kind of started out kind of slow and. Me and Murphy were talking, not to sound rude or anything, but we're kind of like, okay, you know, what's what's the big deal with with Amanda Kale? And then we, then she started to get into it, and we were like, wow, like she's yeah. really good. Now you and, get it. And yeah, I honestly would give for MVP because I think, like Murphy said, I mean, she's the anchor of that defense, and offensively, I mean, she's also super like you need her to score. Oh yeah,
2: like I I do not disagree with that. Yeah. In any way. But yeah, like it you said, it's you hard to go
3: against Tyra. Like you can't do it without. One of the two, you exactly. know, what right? I mean, but right. then, not like, here without- uh, yeah, exactly.
2: They're they're absolutely impossible to distinguish between because one wouldn't be as great without the other, exactly. Probably like so Stockton Malone. exactly. No, I think that's yeah. a great. I think that's, that's a great comparison. Yeah, that guy from Rutgers would. Yeah. love you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Bialystok and Bloom. Bring wow. it back to the producers. Wow. I'm sorry, I just had to. no you. that was that. Or was that, was that where's that player
0: from Virginia Tech from? Oh, the one from Sweden. Yes. Okay. All right, guys. <laughs> That's all we got for you on this podcast. Again, the IDS version for women's basketball podcast. Taylor Lemon from the Hooger he joined us. John Blau from the Blooming Terrell Times. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. And for Murphy Wheeler, I'm Dylan Wallace. Thanks for listening.